what Tumblr will eventually turn into. A big demon, <laughs> a big demon that's gonna, it's gonna go around, um, devouring and castrating all white men. Radio Drone. Are you all jacked in for this episode of Radio Drone? I am Josh yes. Hadley. And as you can hear, Peter is here. He's jacked in, into the Matrix, ready to go into cyberspace. Yes, all three gigabytes of me. <laughs> hey, you don't want to overdo it, right? Exactly. And as you can hear, Cecil is is with us, but uh, I, I don't know. He got a bad download, man. He's on he's on a low. Yeah, I got stuck in like a bad packet, and uh, I defragged. If you can't tell, we're going to be talking about cyberpunk tonight. Before that, see, I came up with an idea for a hardcore porno called Cyberspunk, where oh. yeah, I've actually got a whole plot written out and everything. And you have too much time in your hands. I have a whole plot written out and everything. Nobody better steal my idea. Cyberspunk. I could make this a real movie that people would really like. But if you guys just want some kind of porno, you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free power O-ring, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Cyberspunk. Come on, the pun is just perfect. I wanted to talk about this. I mean, we did this episode a few years ago with Alex, but to be honest, Alex told Cecil and I before the show he's not a big cyberpunk fan, and you could kind of tell he wasn't into it. I'm not insulting the guy. Kind of along for the ride on that one. I know Peter's a big cyberpunk fan, so why do you like the cyberpunk genre in general? Well, it's kind of an offshoot of science fiction that's not as, like, serious. I think it's a good, accessible science fiction subgenre to get into. And maybe some of the examples I'll list won't necessarily be cyberpunk, but they're cyberpunk to me. A movie like Johnny Mnemonic or Split Second or even like uh, Escape from New York to be kind of cyberpunk uh, aesthetic film. Because to me, I sort of look at it as, as kind of not necessarily it's cheap, but it's sort of science fiction, but with a punk aesthetic. That's what makes me usually think cyberpunk, which I feel like Split Second has, where you got Rudger Hauer basically going after Venom from Spider-Man in a flooded London. Got Escape from New York, which is like dystopian future. New York is a prison. Kurt Russell with an eye patch shooting motherfuckers. That's kind of what I consider cyberpunk. Or you got the sort of pseudoscience of Johnny Mnemonic where he's a living uh, USB plug. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, no, no, no. I'm going to stop you. Pseudoscience? Johnny Mnemonic, all they got was the years wrong, man. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely got uh, everything about gigabytes right and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, you've also got, you know, characters like uh, Ice-T with his, his dreadlocks and his trench coat. Everyone's got weird guns. Everyone's wearing suits for whatever reason. And it's in kind of a, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily post-apocalyptic, but it borders on it, I guess. I think I would consider that cyberpunk. Like, it's not necessarily like a Mad Max, but it looks like it's either rebuilding after a catastrophic event like that or kind of leading up into it. And that's sort of what I see, uh, what I see cyberpunk as being. 
Uh, cyberpunk to me always has some aspect of computers and it's always the computers and the internet. It's always jacking into the internet or using te- technology in, you know, it's better well, that than was jacking a- off on the jacking internet. Er- oh, you, you fucking cock. I was going to make that same joke, but I thought it would be too cringy. <laughs> ha, I have no shame. Okay, fine. <laughs> It it always has that aspect to it. So something like uh, Strange Days or Johnny Mnemonic or uh, you know something like that, that, where there is the element of technology and computers and the internet and information. And a lot of times uh, with, uh, I mean, I grew up playing Shadowrun and reading Snow Crash and reading William Gibson. So I've always had this concept, you know, I've always had the, in my mind of data couriers pushing technology. I would say even something like the Lawnmower Man has aspects of cyberpunk in it. Lawnmower Man um, 2, definitely. Lawnmower Man 2, yeah. absolutely. I mean, Lawnmower Man 2 is terrible, but it very much is, is cyber. Well, I do want to revisit it. I have a feeling it's still not going to be any good. It still uh, has aspects of, uh, heavy aspects of cyberpunk. I mean, it's a Job it computer, you know, becomes a computer entity and basically takes over and then is expelled out of the computer and that whole thing. And that's always been what it what it's to me. Well, what it actually is, is the word cyberpunk is defined as high technology, low life. So basically, technology, you brought up computers, Cecil, which computers often play a large part, but technology, like you have things like Wild Palms, which is about television taking over your lives. Certain, like like the Black Mirror episode with the grain in the back of your head, which is very much about technology, but not necessarily the internet. The word itself actually goes back to 1980, where Bruce Bethke wrote a short story called Cyberpunk. It's not cyberpunk as we know it today. He just used the word. And he also regrets having not trademarked the word. God, he would have been a billionaire if he trademarked that damn thing. But really, what we think of as cyberpunk was started in 1984 when William Gibson published Neuromancer. Basically, every he laid all the groundwork for everything we think of cyberpunk as today. Technically, Blade Runner would be the first cyberpunk movie, even though that came out two years before Neuromancer. Neuromancer. Neuromancer was being, had been, he started it in 1979. And what pissed William Gibson off, and then, you know, there's no way to play, this is not plagiaristic or anything. When he saw Blade Runner, he almost stopped writing Neuromancer because he said, that looks exactly like what I'm writing. Now if I write it, it's going to seem plagiaristic. So he Shit. almost stopped writing Neuromancer after seeing Blade Runner because him and Philip K. Dick were kind of on the same page without ever having met one another. Guys like uh, like William Gibson and Philip K. Dick really held to that kind of and uh, Philip K. Dick, especially with how old his books actually are, he his work uh, predated a lot of the cyberpunk kind of stuff. And William Gibson created a lot of really great stuff as far as that goes as well. As far as like visual aesthetic goes, that's probably as uh, as cyberpunk as it gets, and probably the most uh, probably the one a lot of people have seen without even knowing that it's like a cyberpunk kind of thing. Like they probably might not even know the word, but they've likely seen it. You know, Neuromancer does really feel like. I mean, when you're when you're reading it, you are visualizing a lot of that stuff uh that's in blade runner there was even a game that came out called rise of the dragon it was a uh sega a cd it was a dos and sega cd game where you played a guy named blade hunter 
very much looked like Blade Runner. It was an awesome game. It was a, a point and click, uh, like adventure. And, uh, it had a great, really dark story, but you had a lot of like punk rock girls. You had a lot of neon. You had, uh, people jacking in to the, you know, the internet and, and it just, uh, it was great. I, I loved it. And that, uh, that was another game that came out at, a, at the right time. As far as, uh, Blade Runner, uh, I think that that could very, like if you were to ask, somebody who maybe had a limited knowledge of it they would probably point to blade runner being like oh well that was what started cyberpunk when really it it wasn't but it's just uh you know it's either that or neuromancer but um mm. that is well, what really in blade i think blade runner established the look neuromancer ex- like established the rules well but then technically you could even go to heavy metal the harry canyon story which mm. ridley scott is openly it has openly said was one of his visual inspirations for Blade Runner. Mm. There's there's no fear of technology or anything. In fact, it goes the other way with the Lochnar. But the visual look and the punks and things like that, you know, the cab with the disintegrator, that Harry Canyon story in Heavy Metal is very much a cyberpunk aesthetic. And that came out a year, and and that's a year before Blade Runner. It absolutely is. I'm pretty sure that um, there's there's a documentary I watched on the, the Heavy Metal magazine and Mobius as an artist and stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff about Blade runners like um their art department ripping off like directly off of uh, mobius's like dystopian future flying car kind of landscape and it even goes as far forward like the fifth element which is basically a feature length version of that heavy metal story that you were talking about about the futuristic cab driver uh that's another thing that i think has a lot of uh cyberpunk look to it yeah it and and if you ever read seen a cover looked at anything heavy metal and then look at the fifth element and don't be like oh yeah they really borrowed a lot from from that i mean it's your yeah, i mean that's kind of where a ton of that came from where that whole design came from and then, then cyberpunk also because of the fact that it's about technology interacting with humans and usually bad people you know the whole low life thing is not necessarily in an esoteric life manner it's a these are low lives for the most part you have weird movies that could technically be cyberpunk like videodrome all about new technology yeah. physically changing someone i mean he literally has sex with his television at one point i would say videodrome <laughs> is a cyberpunk movie that most people would never associate with being a cyberpunk movie i associate that one with cyberpunk category of blade runner where it's a little more well known but people that probably aren't as familiar again with the the subgenre probably don't see it or know of the term but it definitely is it's it's it is that kind of low life characters high technology um getting desensitized to things uh uh, you know, in a getting jacked in what uh, Cecil was talking about because there is a lot of that weird kind of shit where his hand turns into a gun and stuff like that. I, I would I would really consider Videodrome to be cyberpunk. Low-key cyberpunk, but still cyberpunk um, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I think that that has a lot of elements of it the same way that something like Existence has uh, cyberpunk in it. I Well, I've, I've always considered Ex- Existence a cyberpunk movie to begin with, so I, I don't even think that one's riding mm-hmm. the line because, I mean, Plot twist, the whole thing is a video game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know Cecil likes the movie more than I do, but like Brain Scan, 
that could even be a cyberpunk movie. Yeah, it could. actually. Now that I think about it, yeah, that absolutely totally is. Especially the uh what is it, the the jackal or the jester who's like the, the sort tri- of the trickster. trickster, yes, is a very cyberpunky, heavy metal looking uh character. And just the idea of like killing people in virtual reality and stuff like that. It's yeah, it's that's a very cyberpunk movie, absolutely. When you talk cyberpunk, in general you refer to things like Johnny Mnemonic and movies like that. But I think the quintessential cyberpunk definition is Max Headroom. That TV show, Mm. even the original 20 Minutes into the Future pilot, that I think defined the look of cyberpunk as we envision it more than Blade Runner did, since Blade Runner only used the aesthetics and some of the the themes. I think, especially the original 20 Minutes into the Future, that is what has been in our brains for visual reference ever since 1985. Well, I didn't really grow up on Max Headroom. I found out about that way later. So I was more raised on the cyberpunk stuff, like Blade Runner and Escape from New York and Split Second and Johnny Mnemonic and stuff like that. So I didn't really know about Max Headroom until yeah, I was 17 or 18. But, yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from on that for sure. Max Headroom, I mean, the whole thing with them, I know that the 20 minutes into the future was kind of their, their gimmick. But the thing, the honest truth was they were so far ahead of everything. Everything. I mean, if you go down the list of things that they predicted, it's insane how many things they predicted. They weren't even that far off on some of the years. Because do you realize that Max Headroom, even though it was made in 1985, 1986, 1987, depending on the incarnation, takes place in 2014? So they weren't even really all that wrong on the years in a lot of cases. Yeah, they really nailed it on a lot of things. They did a great job. And yeah, it's very, very cyberpunk. What would you say is the quintessential cyberpunk movie? The, 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 a movie that if you're trying to tell somebody, if you're trying to indoctrinate somebody, what is the quintessential cyberpunk film? Cause you have so many different styles. You can kind of go with the, the post-apocalyptic-ish, like hardware. You can kind of go with the more teen and psychic dr- drama with like Akira. You can go something like Blade Runner. You can go like Class of 1999 is very cyberpunk. Both Total Recalls are cyberpunk. Or you could go something like The Matrix or even, yeah, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So w- what would be your this is cyberpunk to you kind of film? I'll go with one of my earliest, my, my earliest viewings of something that I heard to be of that genre that I look back on it now. I didn't know a lot because I was very young. I was like I mean, nine, nine or ten years old when I first saw it, but I'm going to go with Ghost in the Shell. The original that animated movie. to me movie. is Quintus. Yes, the original animated film. I, I consider it to be like required cyberpunk viewing. If you're into that subgenre, that needs to be one that you need to sit down and watch at least the, cause it is cyberpunk as f- you got cyborgs, you got cool technology, you got the, the jacking in shit, you got the, the Blade Runner type landscape. Um, it's, it's perfect in, in that, in that essence. And I think it's, it's great. Uh, I'm not so much looking forward to the new movie, but I like that modern audiences are getting more cyberpunk because they get to be introduced the way I was as well with the new one coming up and I really do think Blade Runner is uh, an essential viewing like it really is your your quintessential cyberpunk story and I think because I grew up watching a lot of animated stuff and I think right after that I saw Akira so I would go for Ghost in the Shell and Akira as my two like essential picks if I was to go with uh, with ones, if I'll pick uh, I'll pick two, uh, I will go with uh, Hardware and Johnny Mnemonic. I think that uh, those both capture 
cyberpunk, but in different ways. Hardware shows, you know, downtrodden and how, like, uh, the world has kind of gone to shit. Uh, the government was creating computers and cyborgs to, you know, clean up the mess that the world has become. It's just, oh, with the, with the scavengers going through the, the wastelands and just people living in these like, uh, isolated bubbles. Uh, it's just such an amazing movie. And then Johnny Mnemonic, where it kind of represents the other side of it, where it's like, you know, you have the data couriers and you have, uh, you know, hitmen and cyborg assassins and all that kind of stuff. So, it kind of is the more high-tech versus low-tech version of it. Two Johnny, ends of Johnny the spectrum. Mnemonic, uh, yeah, the Japanese very, version. I think, I think Johnny Mnemonic is a very good representation of something like Shadowrun. One of the themes you tend to see in cyberpunk, whether it's in, in, in any of the sub-genres of cyberpunk, the downtrodden fighting back. It's usually those in control are corrupt and usually cor- corporate for some reason. The little guy fighting against the big guy. And that's mm. something that can speak to people. So even if you're not into cyberpunk specifically, everyone likes that kind of a story. Have you guys seen the German film Decoder from 1984, the one with William Burroughs? Ah, uh, no. That is an example of that kind of weird, esoteric, druggy look at fighting the system. And in almost all of these, you've got Strange Days, which I think is just an amazingly overlooked movie. And it's all about fighting the system. Maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but Robocop. I think is a cyberpunk movie and that's literally about fighting his own corrupted programming. Definitely. I mean, Robocop was originally going to be a judge dread movie and judge dread is cyberpunk is all shit. So, uh, even the general dirty aesthetic, like it's almost, it's almost more punk than cyber in a, in a lot of, uh, instances with all the weird strung out drug addicts and street gangs and muggers and the, the dystopian look. And then you've got just that, that flash of neon, Probably a made-up word, futurism, uh, injected into the film with uh, Robocop and his cool gun and ED-209 and the big corporation that's uh, ruling over the, you know, the, the working and the lower class. But it, that almost makes me sad because that kind of means that Robocop 3 is the definition of a cyberpunk film because it is the lower class finally fighting against the upper class. Yeah, I think RoboCop kind of falls into like the fringes of cyberpunk. The the downtrodden fighting up against the corrupt uh, governments. You've got uh, or corrupt officials, I guess you could say. You've literally got Murphy fighting his own programming. Yeah, I mean you've got yeah. a lot of uh, aspects in there. So definitely. It's even got yeah. the it's even got the jacking in. You know, Murphy is is jacked in. He, he jacks mm-hmm. into a computer to get uh, evidence and information on the bad guys and stuff. Yeah, with so. the uh, with the computer middle finger. Yeah, so and, then has, and then ends up literally killing the bad guy with that same one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not exactly arguing that this is wrong, but it's not cyberpunk as I would look at it, and that is like Tron. Considering that that whole thing is about being in a video game, I, I, I don't know. Tron doesn't quite fit my ideal of cyberpunk. It does and it doesn't. I guess, like, it kind of does in the, in the way when, like, I mean, it's kind of like Snow Crash in a way, but, you know, similar but different. So I think that it parts of it uh, fall into uh, cyberpunk. There's elements. Much like the way RoboCop would be more punk than cyber, I think Tron is probably more cyber than punk. Like, it has more of the sort of neon technology, futuristic kind of stuff and not not as much. 
Punk, but I think the getting uh, getting sort of linked into a video game and the whole virtual reality aspect and this whole virtual world can almost be looked at as uh, as an early version of like an online video game or something. I think if you really want to dig into it, Tron does work as a cyberpunk film. Now, the comic books, definitely for Judge Dredd. The 2000 AD stuff is definitely cyberpunk. But I see a lot of people consider the two Dredd movies cyberpunk. And I'll say, maybe Judge Dredd a little bit, the 95. And as much as I love the 2012 Dredd, that's almost the opposite of cyberpunk. That's all about being as low-tech and anti-technology as possible. That's just, to me, a straight-up action movie. I'd say the 1995 one, definitely. As much as I love the the dread, the the Carl Urban one, superior film, the '95 Stallone version had a lot more from the 2000 AD comics. You had weird mutants. You had more kind of out there technology. His bike could fly. The landscape of the city was very Mobius. You know, you had the Firefly family out in the Cursed Earth. There was a lot more elements that made it cyberpunk. The really high-tech uh, prison with the guards with the huge-ass machine guns and the automated weapons and stuff like that. Whereas the Carl Urban version, is as amazing of a film as it is, and it's 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 up there in probably my top ten favorite films ever made, it's really more of a straight-up action film. And it, it does... It has science fiction elements to it, but it's more of like a dystopia type film. Like it's not, it, it does dwindle on cyberpunk. It dangles a little bit on that edge, but it's even more punk than cyber than something like Robocop is because that straight up is just like cops fighting thugs. And then you have some corrupt cops and stuff like that. Like it's very much like, it's more of like a futuristic diehard film, an actual cyberpunk film. The Judge Dredd Stallone movie. Yes. I think that the Carl Urban Dredd movie. Yes, but l- not as much. Like, because they, they kind of stripped things down and made it more focused, he spent more time in, uh, that was a peach tree, then I think that that really is what, uh, you know, if the, like, I think with, if they ever do get the ability to make another one, please make another one, I think that we would see more cyberpunk aspects to it, because it has the look and the aesthetic of it. It just didn't really have a lot of the computer aspects of it. What about when a movie or a TV show or a video game or something just uses little elements of cyberpunk but then goes off in a completely different direction like like the the 1990 movie Mind Warp. The beginning and very end are definitely cyberpunk but that's only about 10 minutes of the total movie. Is Mind Warp a cyberpunk movie? I think yes, because the thing is, even though the, you know, it's, it's bookended by cyberpunk parts, once you find out at the end what's going on, then that does make the whole thing a cyberpunk movie because it all, you know, spoiler, uh, the whole thing takes place as you know a uh the matrix a simulation a simulation thank you it's all the simulation of what the outside world could be okay then by that definition is the assassin creed video game series a cyberpunk game yeah because the because assassin's (laughs) creed blatantly ripped off mind warp well I, i know but i mean like when you think of the assassin's creed games you don't think cyberpunk I don't know. You know, when you get the animus and you kind of go, I mean, when you're back, cause you spend more time back at the, uh, at the, the hub than you, than, you know, in mind warp. So, I mean, so there is more like in between missions, you know, you go, you do your assassination, you come back, you talk to Kristen Bell for a little while, you go back in. So, I mean, there is a little bit more of that. And then you find out a little bit, you know, there's a, some sort of revolution going on.
going on outside. I don't, I don't know. I, I never got past the first game. There are some overlooked cyberpunk classics that, I mean, we've talked about all of the big titles, but have you guys ever seen, I think it was from the early 2000s, this Lucy Liu movie called Cypher about the, the guy who, and, and this is not spoileristic because this is all happens in the first few minutes. The guy who might be a double agent working against one corporation who might also be a triple agent who's been brainwashed into thinking he's a double agent who's actually working for the first corporation who might be working for the other corporation all going undercover i can't say i've seen that one i've missed that one as well it's a fantastic film kind of shits the bed a little bit in the last 10 minutes i saw the plot the final plot twist coming a mile away and it was not that good what about one like fortress i'd say fortress the Stuart gord movie holy crap that is a cyberpunk movie i mean it turns out that the villain is a cyborg the whole time, which, uh, I mean, gets revealed halfway through, but you don't know that for a while. And, you know, the whole futuristic prison, and then you got Jeffrey Combs and Tom Tolles having to puke up their little stomach bombs, and you got mind wiping. What about something like Fortress? I think that's a very cool overlooked one for sure. I haven't seen it in a, in a very long time, but it's one that I want to revisit that I remember really enjoying several years back. That's a very cool movie for sure. Avoid the sequel. <laughs> the first film ends where it needed to end. There did not need to be more with these characters. I'm just trying to remember if it's the same movie you're talking about. Is that with um, Christopher Lambert? Yep. Christopher yes. Lambert, okay. yeah, Christopher that's, Lambert that's an awesome, goes to the, the future prison and he, he gets, he gets put in a cell with Jeffrey Combs and Tom Tolles and then, and then he fights Wes from Road Warrior and then they blow people's <laughs> stomachs up and then, and then Clarence Boddicker is the head of this, this big prison and he's only got half of a body and he plays with his own nipples when he gets excited and yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I love Fortress. It's just unbelievably good. It's yet another sadly overlooked Stuart Gordon film. It just everything in it just kicks so much ass. I, Christopher Lambert, I loved like little things like he's having a, a dream about his wife because they've been separated. They shock him and it's like, you're not allowed to have those dreams. And it's like, oh, even he can't even have <laughs> I can't even dream. Like, oh, it's just so, uh, it, it's it's really a good damn movie. I actually mm -hmm. love Jeffrey Combs. And I think, honestly, Jeffrey Combs and Tom Toll steal that movie from the main cast. Yeah. You know what? I have one. Uh, it's not, I want to say it's a sadly overlooked film, but it wasn't a small film. That's totally, totally cyberpunk. Free Jack. No, I haven't seen Free Jack in 20 some years. So I'm going off memory here. I remember it being kind of goofy. Yeah, but it, it's not, I mean, it's like goofy, like fun, but like, I mean, cause it, once it kind of, once the, the, like, um, here's, for the people who don't know, uh, Emilio Estevez is a race car driver and he dies. Today, he's a race car driver in contemporary He's a race car driver 1990s. today in, yeah, current times and he dies in an accident and this multimillionaire takes his consciousness, takes his, his consciousness, body and everything. Anthony Hopkins, if I'm correct. Anthony Hopkins, yes, or Rene Russo, tell and more or less transport them into the future. And he's a free jack. And what it is is they need to take uh, Anthony Hopkins' mind and put it into Emilio Estevez's body was the intention because he wanted, you know, that's the way of getting your, your, you know, living forever. It's, it's 
really just good movie. And uh and even uh, uh what's his name? Mick Jagger's in it. Even Mick Jagger as enforcer. As yeah, as Fasendak and he keeps calling him Fasendick. Like dumb things like that. <laughs> but it's so I mean uh Buster Poindexter, yeah, Buster Poindexter's in it. Uh it's it's really a fun movie. I like you like you sit down to watch it and it's 90 minutes that goes by like nothing. I haven't seen that one, but I'm gonna check it out. Oh, dude, you'd love Free Jack. Yeah, as I pointed out, it's a little goofy, but it's not a bad movie. It just, it it goes a little bit into the, okay, even I'm not buying this in a science fiction setting kind of, (laughs) kind of story. What about something like, like virtual reality? Because remember all the mid-90s, they had all those virtual reality movies, like Virtuosity. Is that a cyberpunk movie? Because I kind of consider it as as a cyberpunk movie, even though you wouldn't normally think about it as such. I saw some of the virtual reality stuff from the 90s. Like, obviously, there's Lawnmower Man, and there's Johnny Mnemonic, and there was uh, Brain Scan and films like that. But I, I hadn't seen a lot of them, but I, I, I saw enough, I guess. But Virtuosity, I don't remember, no. Oh, yeah, I've seen Virtuosity a couple of times. It's, it's not nearly as good as it should. It, you, it should okay. be. With the talent behind it, it should be excellent. Except but... when you watch it, you know exactly why. It feels like a studio metal film from beginning to end, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. The studio, uh, they really put their dicks in there and just screwed everything up. I'm curious if that's one where someday we might get like a director's cut or something because it just, it just doesn't feel right. It feels like there's just parts where you're like, why is this happening? And why is there like a, a really long segment where he's torturing people with music and like, it just, it feels off. And it's a shame because I think that Denzel does a good job. I think Russell Crowe is um, a fantastic villain, though. Russell Crowe is a fantastic villain. And, I mean, the concepts in there, like, he regenerates himself with glass and, like, that kind of stuff. And, like, it had really good aspects to it, but something went awry. We got one. I'm a huge Albert Pune fan. I don't know if I'll go cyberpunk for Radioactive Dreams, which I've talked about many times before. It's definitely got the punk aspect, and there is a certain cyber aspect to it. I don't know about Radioactive Dreams, but Nemesis pisses me Uh, off, and and I love it. Nemesis, yes. The 1992 film. I love it in the fact that it looks like a cyberpunk film. It's got great action scenes. It's got a fantastic cast, but there are elements of the script that do nothing but piss me off. Albert Pune basically didn't know any better. For instance, complete robots are called cyborgs in this, but people with just like a robot arm are called androids. Over and over and over again, and that drives me up the f***ing wall trying to watch this film. Nemesis is a great film, and I can overlook a lot of that stuff. In fact, I don't even pay attention to it because I'm too busy actually really enjoying that one. That one, uh, I actually can't believe I didn't mention it among my little list of uh, favorites because Nemesis is fantastic and I think predates a lot of the tropes that uh, Matrix would use, like, you know, the leather jackets, or not leather jackets, but the big trench coats and the, the machines are taking over kind of thing. Like, I think it's a very... Um, the way it's the a, way Oliver Grunier is dodging bullets, very yeah, much pre-bullet time. Absolutely. Um, it, it's very much a pre-Matrix film, and I think it, as far as uh, cyberpunk goes, it really holds up. It's It's one of my all-time favorites. I love Nemesis. Nemesis is like in one is in my like top hundred movies. I freaking adore it. It's so much action. It's just amazing. And uh yeah, Oliver Grunier is awesome. Tim Thomerson's in it. Uh, Brian the fact James. that like Brian James, I love I mean the aspect of it is that as he keeps going 
And throughout the movie, he's getting more and more shot. He's getting shot, blown up, and stuff is happening. And he keeps having to replace body parts with, like, machine. And it's like he's getting to the point where he's becoming more machine than man. And they go over that whole thing. And, oh, it's just such a kick-ass movie. And then I remember how overjoyed I was. I was like, there's a nemesis, too? Oh and my it, god, two, three, and four, what the two, hell happened? Three, four, how, like, that's the thing that kills me. <laughs> Nemesis is amazing, and, but then they made two, three, and four, which, uh, like, they went, comp- like, had nothing they went backwards. At all to do with everything that was in the first movie. You had, uh, I think it was Susie Price, who was, I think she was like an ex-American Gladiators or something. She's now like a cyborg, and there's cavemen, and I'm like, what the f- what the hell are they doing? Like, it was, <laughs> and it was so sad because I'm like, how could they not, like, how did they make three movies of this, but only one movie of, of Nemesis? You know, only one movie of the original. The Trancers movies. With the exception of four and five, I'd say the Trancer movies are cyberpunk. I see Trancers as a really good, like, offshoot 2000 AD. Something that would show up in a 2000 AD uh, magazine or even like a heavy metal magazine or something and being turned into a a feature film. Like it's just one of those really, really good ideas translate very well to the screen. It's a very fun uh, science fiction cyberpunk kind of movie with uh, Tim Thomerson just being awesome the whole time. Totally cyberpunk. I mean, they're they're sending his consciousness back into the body of his ancestors. I mean, yes. Dry hair is for squids, man. <laughs> Dry hair is for squids. Th- this next one I'm going to bring up, I see where it come it, c- it comes from, but I see a lot of people categorize Terminator as a cyberpunk movie. I'm not so sure, and I love the first Terminator. I don't really consider that a cyberpunk movie. Obviously, you've got the time travel aspect, and you've got the machines. Where do you fall? Is Terminator a cyberpunk movie or not? I think it can be, and I think maybe it's not. It all depends on how you perceive it. I sort of do. This is a a cool element of the future war stuff, but it doesn't completely engulf the film because we most of it takes place in, obviously, the the present, or at that time it's 1984, and you've got the presence of a cyborg lurking around and a man from the future uh, trying to save somebody who's being, you know, the target of assassination. It's You've got this great neon feel to the movie, and everything feels futuristic, and it is a lot of high-technology, low-life kind of stuff because you've you've got Kyle Reese, who very much is sort of a low-life of the future. He's this guy who was underground and became... uh, you know, like a, a mercenary freedom, not mercenary, but like a freedom fighter for the human resistance. And now he's in the present trying to protect somebody being chased after a cyborg and stuff like that. So I, I do think it, it does have enough elements in it to make it a, a cyberpunk film. I think it does uh, constitute as one. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same wave. I think that uh, it it wouldn't be what you would traditionally think of uh, when you're thinking cyberpunk, but it has enough of the elements in there to, you know, qualify. Well, I want to mention some of the more obscure cyberpunk movies that I think people should go and look for, such as, like, I brought up 1984's Decoder. It's a German film. It's not completely in German because William S. Burroughs appears in it as a shopkeeper and all of his lines are in English, but the rest of the film is in German, so you got to find a subtitled version. But then there's the, the weird right-at-the-fall-of-the-wall kamikaze from 1989, the Russian film, which, again, you got to find subtitled. 1984. Especially the 1984 version of 1984 very much is a cyberpunk movie. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's more of an understated, it's an understated one and it's a lot more of a, like a psychological kind of film, but it's a very depressing look what could happen as, as far as, uh, rise of government and, and people being, uh, uh, you know, just treated as, uh, like working class being treated very poorly and the corporate rising above everybody. Very grim outlook, but it's a solid one and it's definitely cyberpunk if you, if you look into it enough. Um, I, I think it does belong in that subgenre yeah i think that you know with them with them like rewriting with them rewriting the the news and feeding it out to the people and uh the way big brother on a giant tv screen big brother on a giant tv screen and all that stuff i think uh yeah definitely well and then one of the tropes that kind of gets pulled into cyberpunk and it's a trope i love although it does get overdone death sports of the future i like to think running man is kind of a cyberpunk movie sort of the same way like <laughs> the, the, the same way like fool cheese and the new gladiators which is another yeah. overlooked one i think those are cyberpunk movies what about something like the running man where does the running man fall in cyberpunk i was actually going to mention uh if you were gonna like i was waiting for the end of the episode if you weren't going to mention it like any uh other high Highlights. And I was going to say Running Man. I do consider Running Man to be very, very cyberpunk because you have like the oppressed lower class. You have the media lying to everybody like they're they're saying uh, you know, they're sort of manipulating uh, news stories and they, they make Schwarzenegger's character look like he gunned down a bunch of innocent civilians. You know, all of all of the, the corporation being spun up on its head uh, with due to the the lower class rising up and fighting them. And hey, you know what? A... I drink Cadre Cola. OK. <laughs> I've always wanted a Cadre Cola t-shirt um, since I was a kid. Very much uh, corporate ruling over the uh, lower class and then lower class fighting against them with their sort of low-tech technology and fighting against the high-tech technology. And it also sort of predict reality shows. So you have to give it uh, – Got to give it a lot of credit for that too. I think I think Running Man is um, I wouldn't say underrated because a lot of people know about it due to due to Schwarzenegger, but I think underappreciated would be a better word. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people would consider it like sort of a, a meaningful, cool cyberpunk movie, and I I definitely do. I think it's it's right up there with some of the greats. I think so. I think the same thing. Yeah, it it falls under uh, a lot of elements of cyberpunk. Just uh, oh, it's such a great movie. Who loves you and who do you love? <laughs> Sub Zero. Now plane zero. That oh, oh fuck you. Your Schwarzenegger is much. To I'm be not trying to do me, Schwarzenegger. I can't do re- a Schwarzenegger. Well, I can. So let yes. let me do it. Here is Sub Zero. Now plane zero. Yes. <laughs> Damn that's great. Absolutely, well, okay. positively one of the most, quite possibly the most quotable movie ever. Now, I, I brought up this one earlier. Do you consider Super Mario Brothers, the movie, to be a cyberpunk film? Because it definitely has the trappings of it, but the story isn't. Where does Super Mario Brothers fall into this? And yes, it it looks like it does because it's directed by the people who created Max Headroom, so that's intentional. I think Super Mario Brothers is a bad movie that looks amazing. I, I kind of agree. I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad movie. I do find it pretty pretty in, enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's first of all, it's, it has an intentional cyberpunk element because of who the creators are, and uh, I think that it it looks great. It's I, I love it. I think it's a, a fun movie. I think that I mean, granted, the uh, the second unit director had to kind of come in and save the movie after the directors were fired. But the whole thing is just somehow 
amongst all of that mess, the end result was an entertaining movie. As a kid, I definitely felt privileged to finally find out that Mario's full name was Mario Mario. <laughs> and Luigi Mario. Yes, Luigi Mario. Luigi Mario, yes. One of the more low-key, and I know this might sound weird, so let me explain. One of the more low-key cyberpunk movies is Strange Days. Because, yes, it has the whole squid device. If you look at the aesthetics, it's very much set in just the 1990s. Yes, I know it takes place in the in the future of 1999, which is only about seven years in the future from where it was. Strange Days is kind of low-key on the cyberpunk elements while fully embracing them, and also being one of the finest action movies of the entire f***ing 1990s. Love it. Strange Days gets so many things right. It was depressing at how bad it did. I went to see it, but not a lot of people went to see it in the theater. And uh, it, it's a shame because the cast is ridiculous. It's an amazing movie. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it has a lot of cyberpunk in it. I saw it once many, many years ago, at least eight, eight or nine years ago. I remember enjoying it. It's one that I, I would have to I would have to revisit. But it's... I remember it being kind of cool, and it's one of those, uh, it has the Matrix aesthetic before the Matrix actually came out. That's what I at least remember. Uh, people wore a lot of leather. But along those same lines, you have the two Total Recall movies. Now, the, the 2012 film fully embraced the whole cyberpunk aspect, even though it was a bad movie. But the 1990 film, I still think is a cyberpunk movie, almost by definition. It doesn't have the aesthetics of a cyberpunk film, and I think that actually was a brilliant move on Paul uh, Verhoeven's part. I, I think it really has a cyberpunk aesthetic to it. It's very neon. It's got that kind of, the technology really works. It, it reminded me of reading a, a Philip K. Dick book, which of course it's based on, uh, what was it? We, we sell it to you. We can remember it for you wholesale. Which has um, a Fucking totally different ending than any of the movies yeah, it, do. It does, which a lot of the the Philip Dick uh, film adaptations are different from the actual novelizations. But I I felt like as as far as watching a film and feeling like I'm actually watching one of his works come to life on screen, it really felt like reading something of his. It didn't feel so much like that particular short story. It felt a little more like something like Clans of the Alphane Moon, but it really does feel like a cyberpunk Philip K. Dick story. And I feel like the, the remake was just boring and dull to look at and everything was was white and looked like an iPad. Uh, the, the 1990 Paul Verhoeven one really got the aesthetic right. It was definitely a mix of cyber and punk. It, it had both both aesthetics going for it and had the, you know, the, the the revolution of the lower class against the upper class. Ronnie Cox, again, as an evil corporate scumbag. I mean, that, that guy really came a long way since uh, Deliverance, <laughs> playing the playing the happy-go-lucky nice guy to the corporate dickhead, plays it very well. And he does the only kind really... of movie where Michael Ironside could get Sharon Stone. <laughs> Michael Ironside get anybody he wants. Come on. And of course, it's also the quintessential Michael Ironside loses not only one arm, but both his fucking arms movie. Total Recall, the first one, just uh, phenomenal. Absolutely, I think, has a lot of uh, cyberpunk aspects to it. It's not something I would jump to, you know, when you're thinking of cyberpunk, but when you look at it on paper, it's like, yeah, I mean, it does fall under that. Total Recall, uh, the remake was absolute hot garbage. They spent a lot of money to make something look really, really, really fake. The remake cost, I think, two to three times more than the original, and yet somehow looked worse. And it's yeah. also, and it was what, you know, 20, 25 years later or something they came 22. out? 
22 years later and it, it, it absolutely looked like shit. and it had a lot of talented people behind it i i was a li- like i was worried but i was optimistic and then i'm like well you did the same goddamn movie the only thing was they didn't go to mars they went to the other side of the planet through the through a big elevator which was stupid you know <laughs> i i actually kept getting bothered <laughs> in that movie i just wanted kate beckinsale to pick a fucking accent I thought that she was good as a villain. I thought that <laughs> yeah, that was... but, but but she but, couldn't pick an accent. Sometimes she has a British accent, sometimes an American accent. I only pick up on that if I see the movie, unless it's really bad, or if I see the movie like multiple times. But I watch that movie once, and I'm like, yep, never watching it again. Well, speaking of Philip K. Dick, <laughs> what about something like Screamers? which was based on his story Second Variety. Now, it changes a lot of elements from the original story, but it keeps a lot. I would say the story is very much a cyberpunk story. The movie, I don't know, the movie was trying more to be a horror film that was set uh, in, in a cyberpunk setting than it was to try and be a cyberpunk film. Screamers is a horror film, I would say, like kind of like Tremors, set in a cyberpunk setting. Like, it had the aesthetic, but it was also sort of more... been a little while since I've seen it, but it bordered more on, like, a post-apocalyptic kind of movie. Like, there's a lot of desert, um, and, of course, you had the whole horror aspect of these, like, you know, monsters that were under the under the ground, but they were like little chomper metal robot things. I mean, it's been a little while since I've seen it. I, I like the movie a lot, but I don't know if I would classify it as, as cyberpunk. Definitely more of like a horror film that takes place in like the future. Uh, I love Screamers, but I think it's more sci-fi horror than, uh, than uh, cyberpunk. I don't really see, uh, I mean, little, little bits of it in there but for the most part it is definitely more sci-fi horror have either of you guys seen the the jr bookwalter film from the like i think it was 99 or 2000 horror vision no it, it's not a great film it's a film that is definitely ahead of its time and some of its ideas it's literally about all the hate and anger of the internet the late 90s internet all the hate and anger of the internet literally manifesting itself as a cyber demon trying to wipe out humanity oh my god that's actually not a bad idea actually neither of you guys have seen that one no i I haven't i I haven't seen it almost sounds like what tumblr will eventually turn into a big demon demon that's gonna it's gonna go around um devouring and castrating all white men it's it's a it's a better idea than it is a film because they didn't have the budget to do it what's what's the name of it horror vision brink stevens is in it oh she get naked yes but she gets killed in the first (laughs) 10 minutes so she doesn't get killed while naked, though, so does, does that help? I know, ooh, I like the cyber demon. Oh, he's like a skull, like metal skull guy. I think he is <laughs> the living embodiment of Tumblr. I actually did a write-up for this movie since I work for NightFlight.com. I did a whole write-up for that. You can go to find my review over at NightFlight. But you also can't forget, we wrote up Max Headroom earlier, Cyberpunk has come to TV a few times sometimes more well-received than others. Like, for the whole virtual reality craze, you had VR5. I remembered liking quite a bit until I rewatched the episodes maybe six years ago. Oh my god, is that a late 90s time capsule. Everything in that show is so ridiculously dated, it's both amazing and painful simultaneously. Well, and the internet seems to be pissed off that we're talking about cyberpunk, so it just swallowed Peter whole. I guess he jacked out, or he's been jacked off. 
we were talking about VR5. I know you used to watch that. Remember with Laurie Singer and Penn from Penn and Teller? Oh, yeah. I actually, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Giles from Buffy was in that. I like VR5. I watched it in syndication on Sci-Fi Channel, I think. I thought it was clever. I mean, aside from them really kind of pushing the limits of what VR technology could do, and, and you know, yeah, the clothes and the music and, and the all TV that. And the TV budget. And the TV budget was very 90s, and every time she would go into VR, it was basically a music video. I don't know. It just, it had a very earnestness to it. I thought that Lori Singer was really giving it her all. I thought that she was doing a, a great job with uh, what little money they had. I thought that she played both sides of it well. Like she was playing kind of the computer nerd in the real world and then she was playing the uh, uh, whatever the VR thing. B- borderline called. superhero. Borderline super, yeah, whatever it called for her to be that week. I, I enjoyed it. I think that it's, uh, it's cool. I think that it is, a, it is definitely a nice time capsule of the nineties, but, uh, I can kind of look at things from that perspective. I can see, okay, well, this is when they were made and this is why this is the way that it is. And so you actually got to see them where they make more sense because you saw them in order. When they were aired on Fox, it was nineties Fox. Of, of course, course they were not aired in order. Why would they? Looks like Peter flushed his borders and was able to use his doubler because he's back. Yes, the tumbler demon tried to get me, but I, I kicked that bitch right in its vagina dick. But sometimes cyberpunk on TV doesn't work. I mean, like, VR5 is fun. Max Headroom is awesome. Do you guys remember both of the cyberpunk episodes that the X-Files tried to do and just how embarrassingly bad they were? And one of them was even written by William goddamn Gibson? I don't know what you're talking uh, about. Okay. Yeah, you... actually, I, I think I remember one. Well, the, the, the William Gibson one, I don't know what you're talking about. The William Gibson one was good. And then, uh, are you talking about the Lara Croft one? I, I think it was called First Person Shooter. God. Yes, First oh, Person Shooter. Oh, lighten up. It was, it was, it was coming out because video games were really taking off. And so they were taking advantage of that. And they had, uh, a lot of like computer jokes. They had a lot of, uh, silly, hu- I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's fine. I think you, well, you get too uptight about shit. We have to include a movie here that I do not think is a good movie. It definitely qualifies as a cyberpunk film. That would be the, the Sandra Bullock movie, The Net. We may yeah. not like it, but it has, it it doesn't it doesn't have the look and the aesthetics of a cyberpunk film, but all of the themes and stories. It's a cyberpunk movie, whether we want to admit it or not. Peter Peter yourself, I like the net. It was it was okay. I'm not the not the biggest fan of uh, Sandra Bullock, but it's uh, it's all right. I like I actually liked the TV series though. TV series was good. I thought Brooke Langton was a good Sandra Bullock stand-in, but uh, I I like the movie because it's much like Hackers. It's so wrong. Did the people reading this ever use a computer before? <laughs> Is that any worse than like how they how they hack computers on NCIS or CSI with two people yeah. typing on the same keyboard? Oh my god, he's through my he's through my firewall and and, it, it, and you know they make it seem like it's an actual wall. To, he's tunneling through my firewall and it's like you've never touched the computer before, have you? And hence, <laughs> and hence. And, oh, uh, yeah. I love, that was awesome with the two people typing. That's not like two people playing the piano. Like, that's, it's like, that doesn't work that way. 
<laughs> but you brought up hackers. I do consider hackers a cyberpunk movie because it is science fiction because of how little reality it has in it. But it's a fantastic computer film. It, it, it might not be so much about the interface as we'd normally think of with cyberpunk. I consider hackers a cyberpunk film. Yeah, it is. It's, it's one of those uh, ones I also haven't seen in the longest time. I love hackers. It's it's so dumb. Like it's just it's another one where <laughs> hack the planet, hack the planet. You you just sit hack back planet. and you just enjoy how wrong they are about everything. <laughs> come on, come at me. Yeah, uh, it's it's the Cookie Monster virus. You gotta type cookie. Uh, and, and, and then his assistant is Penn Gillette again from VR5. Exactly. Penn, Penn couldn't get away from these computer shows. And th- their big supercomputer is called the Gibson. Ha oh, ha they, they had They had a lot of, like, references to stuff. And uh, I, I loved how, like, they even said the, the director was talking about how, you know, he wanted to make this visually pleasing. So it's like, I mean, hacking is boring. You know, you can't really do a movie about hacking. So whenever they're hacking stuff, it's like, you know, you're you're flying through this LED version of like a cityscape and there's bits and shit flying around and it just it you know, it it looked really good, but it's like, all right, this is just not how it is at all. What about to end out tonight a film that I think is a cyberpunk movie that has never been considered a cyberpunk movie before? Weird Science. They literally use the computer to make a girl. Weird Science is a cyberpunk movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's it borders more on cyberpunk comedy, um, or cyberpunk light, but it definitely is. I mean, they yeah, they use a computer to make somebody. It's almost like more of like a modern Frankenstein tale. Like in, in instead of uh, like the Frankenstein's monster being created with parts of dead people and electricity, it's created with a computer, which is sort of an interesting idea all in itself. And it's it's a nice little little memory of uh, of Bill Paxton as well. It's a it's a very uh, memorable memorable film for him. Uh, memorable early Robert Downey Jr. Um, and it does have those little cyberpunk elements in it as well. Very 80s and very, very fun and sort of a it's light, light cyberpunk. It's not super downtrodden or, you know, the, the lower class rising up against the upper class or anything. It's, it's a fun cyberpunk romp, I think, would be a, a better way to, to put it. But definitely cyberpunk. We also can't leave out how hot Kelly LeBrock was and Robert Russler wearing a bra on his head. <laughs> yes. You're stupid, but what? <laughs> I think, yeah, uh, it's a cyberpunk yes. comedy, quite possibly one of the only cyberpunk comedies that I could even think of. Can we keep this um, just between us? I don't want to lose my teaching job. Right. Oh, God, The Hills Have Eyes. Uh, Michael Berryman. Michael Berryman. Michael Berryman. Movie, again, another one that's just so full of uh, quotable moments and just great. Who is this Gary person? You know, like, ah, uh, really <laughs> funny. Uh, great performances, great comedy. Hey, computers are taken off. What if we made a girl with the computer? And uh, they made Kelly LeBrock, who at the time was at peak hotness. And uh, Steven Seagal hadn't twisted her nipples out of shape yet. Eh, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he punched him and then ended his little girly run. And uh, cyberpunk elements, but I mean, yes, it is technically a cyberpunk movie, but it's not something that I would really be like, hey, you know, I want to watch a cyberpunk movie. And then you watch Weird Science. 
Well, I mean, to a degree, to a degree, James Whale's Frankenstein. I mean, it is literally about melding technology with with the body. Yeah, it's not computers, yeah. but I mean, hell, I, I don't even know if the original Mary Shelley Frankenstein, because that one was less technological. You know, they didn't use lightning; they used electric eels and all that. I would say the James Whale Frankenstein movies are proto cyberpunk in a strange, strange way. Maybe, but, yeah, if you could consider Frankenstein's monster as sort of a cyborg type thing. In weird ways, like a zombie In a cyborg. weird way. He's a zombie yeah, cyborg. sort of. Z- zombie Terminator. By that logic, then Universal Soldier, too. I, I was just thinking that. Yes! Good lord, that totally works. That's Frankenstein Terminator, pretty much. Uh, on that note, since we're on the computer, where can people contact Peter if they wish to give him their thoughts? If they wish, to, if he wishes to download their thoughts, because, dude, I can crash your board from here, man. <laughs> uh, you can uh, jack in and uh, see me on Twitter, Cinematica, YouTube, Cinematicus, Facebook, The Cinematicus, and at uh, 1201beyond.com. Cecil, where where can people find you after they've jacked in? You did use the doubler, right? You'll have to excuse me. Right now I'm taking over a TV network. (laughs) Hey, you wanted to watch Outer Limits, man. That's worthwhile. (laughs) It was. But, uh, yes, never fear, I is here. You can find me at escapistmagazine.com, goodbadflicks.com, as well as goodbadflicks on Facebook and Twitter. Spandex is a privilege, not a right. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Ready? Rotate. Playback. And...
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.